0: I am 100% convinced that if the enemy wants to take you down and rob your joy, that the first thing that he's going to come after is your relationship. And if you're married in here, the first thing that he is specifically going to come after is your marriage. And so, um, listen, we're going to laugh. We're going to have fun. We're going to tell some jokes. But at the end of the day, um, I really we're going to have a tender moment at the end. And so um, I encourage you to hang tight through this all the way through, because I really genuinely believe no matter if you've been married for a year, a month, or 10 years, 30 years, no matter wherever you're at, I really feel like God wants to do something um, in our hearts this morning. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that this morning we have an incredible, incredible opportunity, God, not just to talk about marriage, God, but to point people to you. God, to pray that um, you would restore hearts, God, that you would open eyes, God, that you would tear down walls, and God, I pray most importantly today, God, that you would restore marriages. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm going to try to sit down. I don't, I don't know if that's going to work or not. I'm really fidgety, so if you see me kind of doing like this, I, um, I, I had a good night last night. I'm not on something. It's just part of my personality. So anyway. Um, so here's the way that I want to—I don't know why I said that. Uh, here's, the way, here's the way I want to look at marriage. Um, marriage is a lot like a marathon. Um, it's a lot like a race. And uh, if you know anything, if you've ever done a marathon, which I never have, but if you have, um, if you've ever done a marathon, there are tons of different obstacles. And there's probably a lot of obstacles where— um, Depending on how God's wired you physically that you could probably naturally just blaze through them So if you love to run if you're in the marathon, maybe the running part is easy But then you're going to get through different parts of this marathon and different parts of this race where it's just going to be difficult Maybe it's uphill or maybe you're going through mud or maybe you're climbing through things and it's not as easy as just running straight Um, And listen, here's the deal Marriage is a lot like this Um, You're going to have a lot of ups And you're going to have a lot of downs. And so what we want to do this morning is what does it really take to have a marriage that lasts to the very end? Really until death do us part. What does it take to last to the end? And not just to say, hey, we made it until the very end. But to actually like each other until the very end. To actually enjoy each other. To actually look across um, the table and say, hey, this is my best friend and I love spending time with this person. Um, it's going to take a lot of hard work, but I promise you it's worth it. So I want to kick it off this morning um, by reading a verse in 2 Timothy, um, and it's in verse, uh, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6, and it starts off and it says this. And this is Paul. This is usually not particularly a marriage message or a marriage scripture, but it's perfect for what we want to get at this morning. And it says this, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. It says, The time of my death is near. And then get this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on the day of his return and the, and the prize is not just for me, but all who eagerly look forward to this. So here's what we want to get at this morning, is it's a race, we want you to finish well, we want you to look back, maybe when your time is coming to a close, and you can look at your spouse in the eye and say, you know what, we had some ups, we had some downs, but we ran this really good. And yeah, we might have had some days where we wanted to, you know, choke each other, and we had some days where we wanted to run out on each other. And and listen, maybe some of you in here and you say you're saying right now, look, that is me. We're we're in the like we're in the valley right now. Uh, maybe you maybe there has been infidelity. Maybe there has been those things. But listen, um, the same God that I serve is the same God that is going to offer grace and mercy and forgiveness for you this morning. So listen, I do not want you to sit in here and hear our story and all these things and just say, man, I wish we could have that, or man, I wish uh, we didn't do this. Listen, I said it last week. I genuinely don't believe that God really cares about what you've done two weeks ago, two days ago, two years ago. He just wants you to jump on the bus now and say, you know what, I'm ready to start running and I'm ready to start focusing my eyes on what really matters. So if, if that's it, you in here this morning where you, you've had some failures or you've had some screw-ups or whatever, listen, it's okay. Just make a decision this morning to get on the train and say, hey, we're moving forward. Um, so here's the question that we'll start off with. What is it going to take to actually have a good marriage? What is it going to take to end well? And it's a phrase that my wife and I are very passionate about, but it's simply fight to know. Um, That if you really want to know Jesus, it's going to be a fight to know Jesus. Um, It's not like you just wake up one morning and then all of a sudden you're just so in love with Jesus. Every morning you're going to have to wake up and there's going to be thoughts that you're going to have to filter. There's going to be things that you're going to have to run to and things that you're going to have to purge from your mind. But here's the deal. Too many of us, I think, have gotten comfortable with mediocre marriages. Too many of us have gotten comfortable with just becoming roommates. Too many of us have gotten comfortable with just saying, yeah, we live together and maybe we don't want to get a divorce for the sake of the kids or or whatever it may be. Um, Too many of us have gotten too comfortable with this. But the truth is, um, there's a lot of areas of our life that we totally um, are not willing to be mediocre in, right? So, like, for instance, like some of you give 180% at your job. Like you give everything you have to your employee, you give everything that you have to your boss, or maybe you give everything that you have to making um, the nicest house and the best truck and whatever it may be. But the question is, at the end of the day, do you give that kind of attention to your marriage? Or are you just comfortable with living a mediocre marriage and saying, you know what, we're just going to settle, we're just going to live underneath the same roof, and we're just going to try to make it through this. So I asked a question earlier this week on social media, and it was simply this. Um, Why is it that when you're dating, sacrifice is a joy, and when you're married, sacrifice is an inconvenience? You remember that? Do do you remember? um, I remember it pretty clearly. When I was dating, uh, I would spend hours on top of hours, like planning certain things for my wife like Valentine's Day, you know. I'm I'm orchestrating all these things, making all these plans. And then and then for some of us we're like 5 years in and like Valentine's Day is like Chick-fil-A and an ice cream cone. You know what I mean? You're like, "What happened?" From dating years all the way to marriage where you were so infatuated with this person and you would do absolutely anything. You remember when you were dating, you would do crazy things like stay up till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and like, I just love this person. You probably weren't eating Chick-fil-A, you are probably sucking face is what you were really doing about 4 or 5 in the morning. But do you remember those days when you like, you could not get enough? I remember when my wife and I were dating and uh, there was a season in our life for two years, we were living in, in different um, parts of the city, and we were about an hour away. And we would literally stay up till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, just hanging out with each other, hanging out with each other, um, for, till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, some of you are like, what is he meaning? Exactly what I meant. Um, we'd stay out, and then she would go to school, and I'd go to school. You'd, you'd get a, like a, a solid hour or two hours in, and you're like, man, I'm good. And now it's like we have we struggle to go on a date night. We, we struggle to do it. And when we're married, it's like all of a sudden, all the things that we used to just have no problem doing completely go out the window. I mean, listen, we take inventory of our finances. Um, we take inventory of achieving all of our goals. But here's the question. Do we take inventory in how we're doing in our marriage? So I want to ask you that question this morning. Listen, you might have all these goals for your life Uh, Maybe where you want to be in your job in about five years, six years, um, where you're heading, where you're going, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. Do you ask yourself the same question uh, in your marriage? Um, Maybe uh, the truth is maybe your spouse said something to wound you or was unfaithful to you. Um, But like I said earlier, listen, this today can totally be a brand new start in a new ground. And that's what my wife and I are praying for, believing for, trusting God for, that no matter where you're at in your marriage, that God can do some incredible things for you. Um, So what we want to talk about is uh, four different things that are going to help you simply in your marriage. And I'm sure that we could add a few other ones to this list, but I think these are four main things that are going to help. Um, And so what we're going to do is, uh, I know many of you probably want me to shut up and you want to hear from my wife. So um, you got to hear me out for a little bit longer, and I'm going to give it over to her in a minute. Number one is simply this. If you're taking notes, number one is kill the little foxes daily. And I'm going to make sense of that in a second, okay? Kill the little foxes daily. Um, Song of Solomon says this in chapter 2, verse 15. It says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. So what are the little foxes? What is the scripture alluding to? Anything and everything in your marriage that you choose to sweep under the rug and not deal with. Anything and everything. Just by a show of hands, how many of you guys in here hate confrontation? Anybody? Like you just, I hate confrontation i hate going to somebody and like hey babe you like you're wrong (laughs) like you hate that
1: how many of you love confrontation
0: anybody (laughs) (laughs) um but here's the thing think about it and i want you for a moment to think about your own marriage what are some of the things that you just willingly sweep under the rug and choose not to deal with so so maybe you got an argument and maybe this is how the, the story kind of pans out for you. You get in an argument, and then some men or women foolishly believe, like, man, we just went out, and we just, I mean, it was a full-on argument. And then you kind of walk away. And there was no resolve, and you believe in your mind, okay, maybe if we just keep the peace for about a day or two, it'll just kind of blow over. She'll calm down. He'll calm down. And then, then you try to continue in the marriage and act like nothing ever happened. And then you notice this kind of trend as you start arguing. It used to be subtle arguments, and now when you argue, it's like blow up because it's all the things that you've been sweeping underneath the rug. And what the enemy's doing is driving these subtle little wedges in your marriage, these subtle little things that you don't even realize. It's like the little foxes that come in, and begin to ravage and tear apart your marriage, and you don't even realize it. So we wrote down three different things. Um, I think in most marriages, what the little foxes tend to be. And I think this is one of the big ones that we choose to somewhat sweep under the rug most of the time. And it's a seek to look to overlook offenses. Seek to overlook offenses. So here's the deal. There might just be a personality trait about your spouse that drives you crazy, but it's not sin and you just need to let it go. You just need to deal with it. Like my wife and I, are totally polar, opposite personalities. Um, And there's things that when we realize when we got married, it's like we were getting so frustrated at one another, and we were getting frustrated at things that God had just made us. He had designed us a specific way, and it's not like we were sinning. We were just getting frustrated at personality traits. Um, Proverbs 19.11 says this, Sensible people control their temper. (laughs) They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. So what is it that your spouse is doing that you just need to go, you know what? I need to just simply overlook that. So instead of getting frustrated, instead of getting mad, I just need to overlook it. So we thought of some different things in our, our own life that we just simply need to overlook. So my wife has this way of organizing things in her own little right. Um, so about once a month, um, she, she has a purse like every woman does. And it's literally like entering into a black hole when you want to find. Hey, babe, can you go get the pacifier? It's in the purse. Oh, my God. Like, this is going to be a moment of extreme frustration for me. And so when she cleans out her purse, she'll go through it about once a month or so. And this is her process of cleaning it out. She just She takes the purse, and there's a, a clean made bed, and then she's like, boom, it just dumps everything on the bed. It's kind of like, all right, I'll get to that in a little while, but I'll just put the things that I need in this purse. And then there is like crackers, crumbs on the bed, and kids pacifiers, and all that, you know, it's the truth, and all this stuff around it. And it just drives me absolutely crazy. Um, But it's a personality trait that I need to just overlook. So I'll let her... Yeah, it's
1: not sin. That's what he's referring yes. to. And just to throw it out there, it's a diaper bag and purse combo. <laughs> so that's why. I have crackers and... It's <laughs> a pile! It's a <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Zachary... Um,
0: when she calls me that, it's dangerous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so that's true. I do... Yeah, that's right. The purse thing. Okay, um, but Zach has this thing about getting ready in the morning. Um, he's already told you he's not a morning person. So... Along with that comes a very long time to get ready for him, not for me. I can get ready in like five minutes. And yes, there has been many a times where me and all five children are ready before he's ready. It's true. And I, I sometimes I'm just like, oh my God, go! Like, come on. <laughs> get ready and he's like walking around like sits on the the bed for a second just like zones out and like and I understand now that that's not sinful at first I would be so upset by that like I would I would literally be upset by that but now all
0: that her and all the kids would be in the van and I'm like oh shoot I'm the only one left in the house and I get in the van and they're all like (laughs)
1: <laughs> or someone screaming or something. Um, yeah. But I've realized it's not sin. It's just something how God's made him, and I've got to just learn to extend grace. And it's okay if I overlook it, if I just get over it. You know, it's not yeah. that big of a deal if I think about it.
0: Yeah, totally. And so I think really what we're trying to say is there's probably a lot of things in your marriage that you get frustrated in with your spouse that, honestly, you need to learn to just live with it. You need to learn to just deal with it. Um, and, and so, because I think a lot of times we end up getting so frustrated about things that don't even matter, mm-hmm. and I think really, we're going to talk about this in, in a minute, but I think one of the jobs as a spouse, when, a husband or a wife when you get married is to, there might be these little things that aggravate you or drive you crazy, but it's your job to protect your spouse, yeah. not expose your spouse. So it doesn't mean that, hey, you got something that's driving you crazy, and you're sitting at lunch with all your your girlfriends, and you were just rattling off about how your husband drives you absolutely crazy when he does this. This is a way of learning to. <laughs> I see people like, hey, let me let me let me just give you a little hint here. When we say something, don't bump your spouse. <laughs> don't do that. Like you better be listening. Um, okay. So number one, one of the ways that we learn to kill little wedges and kill the little foxes is seek to overlook offense. Number two is confront the sin or offense, keyword in love. So if something is bothering you, don't sit on it for six months. Yeah. Like and just, you know what, I'm just going to let it keep going. I'm going to let it keep stewing. Um, they, they give this analogy a lot of times, but I am, my wife is a spewer and I'm a stewer. Okay, so my wife, if she's bothering, bothered with something, it's just like, boom, it comes out. For me, I let it I let it just boil, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's sitting there, it's stewing, and this is not a good thing, and it's not always a good thing to just throw it out there.
1: Can I say something real quick? Go ahead. So, along with the steward thing, a lot of times, he or other people who are stewards, you keep it to yourself, you don't like confrontation, you may think that you're right in it. You know, like, okay, well, I'm I'm better than they are, That they're sure. going off, you know, they have an attitude of their, you know, in anger saying whatever. But truthfully, both are wrong. Yeah. If you can't confront in love, um, then that's wrong. And then if, if the other person confronts all the time um, and not, not in love, if that's still wrong. You know, both ways we can yeah. both seek to be understood and to understand.
0: Totally. And I think um, the way that you choose to handle the confronta- confrontation is going to, in many ways, determine the outcome. So that's why I said when you confront your spouse, it's not you looking at them and saying, you just absolutely drive me crazy. I'm so mad at you. I can't believe you do this. The key word here is in love. Because I I wrote this phrase down. I think I've shared it with you guys a few times. The truth without love is usually not received. And love without truth is not love. Mm, So you can... Tell your spouse all day what you think they need to hear. And here's the, here's the kicker. It might be the truth. But if you're not doing it in a graceful, loving way, what are they doing? They're just totally writing you off. Because you're not learning how to control your temper or your anger. Or you're not going to Jesus and saying, God, I want to confront my spouse on this, but I need some help on this. So sometimes... It is okay to sit on it for a day or two to contemplate and to pray and ask God, hey, what should I do? And then you go and confront your spouse in a loving way. Ephesians 4.15 says this, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So when we speak the truth in love, this just makes us look a whole lot more like Jesus. So here's the deal. Many of us don't like confrontation, but if you love your spouse... You'll be willing to confront them. I can't tell you how many people we have sat with and counseled and pastored and talked with. Um, and when we sit down in a counseling meeting, it's literally the first time they're sharing their true feelings true. and it turns ugly real fast. And we're kind of sitting there like, this is so awkward. Like, what do we say? I don't know what to do. Um, but it's because it's the first time they're sharing their feelings. And listen, if you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person, men, and most importantly, you've just got to learn to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You've just got to learn to, like, go tap into that emotional side of you that you totally try to suppress all the time. Like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't, I'm not emotional. Yes, you are. Um, you've got to learn to do that. Um, and then the third thing in how we learn to kill the little foxes is simply this. The past cannot control the present or it will affect the future. The past cannot control the present or it will affect the future. So look at, look at me. Every single person in here, including us, have things that we regret and we wish that we would have never done. And if we hang our hats on that, it's going to wreak havoc on our marriage. So I'm not saying that you know, maybe a spouse blew their trust in some kind of way, and that, so you're supposed to just immediately trust them again. I understand that it has to be re-earned and regained and all that kind of stuff. But if we allow the past to continually dictate the present and what we're doing right now, it's going to dictate the future. And, and so um, Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. So make allowance for your spouse to fail, and then forgive them. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive them. So listen, you may, you may be hanging your hat saying, i got a good reason why I shouldn't forgive them right now. I've got a really good reason. Here's the deal. Jesus, in his grace and in his mercy, despite all the wickedness and all of the ugliness of your own life, chose to say, you know what, when you chose to come into the family of God, I wiped all of that clean. And this is the way that we've got to look at our spouse. If we cannot forgive as we've been forgiven by Jesus, then ultimately it's going to affect many things in our marriage. So here's the deal. Um, let's, let's get personal for a moment. Uh, do you have intimacy issues with your spouse? And I think everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. That usually hinges on past things. Hey, I'm holding on to this, so I'm going to withhold from you. Or hey, uh, you did this to me, or we had this argument today, and we didn't deal with it, so it's a little wedge that begins to drive in. And so when the deepest parts of you, when you want to connect, and the, the good thing that God has created about marriage, that thing begins to get robbed because of offense, and because of unforgiveness, and because you're allowing those little wedges to get driven in. So point number two, I'm going to let my wife take over this one.
1: Um, Yeah. Um, So point number two is let God be God. Let God be God. So what I mean by that is um, maybe you've overlooked offenses and you've confronted um, the sin and you've dealt with confrontation. But what happens when that doesn't work? Um, You let God be God. You are not the one to institute real heart change in your spouse. I know there's a lot of us in here, especially you, confronters, the people who raise their hands. <laughs> we think that that's like, that's our job. And we're going to try to, you know, do everything we can to make sure that they know what their sin is or their problem is and, you know, make it right. But truthfully, letting God be God is what we have to do. I can have a little example for you. So um, there was a mom, I had heard this story, and it's true, and it's probably happened in my house. Um, there was a mom who had two children, and they're just playing and stuff, and they're fighting over a toy. So she's like, I'm going to take this as a teaching opportunity. And um, she goes to them and she said, you know what, kids? Jesus shared with us. So that's why we share with others. Who wants to be like Jesus and share their toy? And you know what happened? One of the brothers looked at the other and said, you be Jesus. (laughs) Now, I can tell you this has, in fact, happened with my kids. Maybe not verbatim, but I bet we we all look at that and we're like, how childish. You know, that's so. But really, we do that. Think of yourself. Don't you want your spouse to be the one who changes before you change? Do mm. You want them to be the one who apologizes before you apologize. You want them to be the one who sacrifices before you sacrifice, who lays down what they want. You want it to be them first. You want them to be Jesus. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and really, um, that, that's one part of letting God be God. The other part is um, another example, and I, I'm with kids all day, so i just got to give kid examples. Um, <laughs> This happens every single day in our home. So I go to my kids, and their room's a disaster. So I'm like, okay, Eli, Isaac, they share a room. So I'm like, y'all go pick up your toys, clean your room. So a few minutes later, it's inevitable. I have a uh, – there's a fight brewing. And then one of them is in tears. It's always the same one.
0: Isaac. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> Isaac is in tears. And I walk in there, and I'm like, what's wrong, baby? Anyone who babysits my kids, you know, it, it's Isaac's in tears. And I'm like, what's wrong, baby? And he's like – Eli pushed me (laughs) or or, or hit him. And I'm like, well, why'd you hit him? Why'd you push him? And Eli, his response is, well, he wasn't picking up. And so I have to go and say, Eli, your bed is not made. Mm -hmm. Your toys are on the floor. Your clothes are on the floor. Why are you making him do what you think he needs to do? Are you the dad? Are you the mom? No, you're not. Let God be God. I'm the mom. I'm going to deal with him. Let me deal with him. You're not the mom. You don't deal with him. And that's the same thing that God's looking at us. And as far as let God be God, God is saying, let me be God to them. Yeah. You're not their God. Hmm. You're not the one who's going to institute that change or confront them enough so that it makes it work and they understand it. Um, and the same thing goes along with our children. Letting, Eli can't be the one to confront Isaac and make sure that he's doing what he should be doing. Eli needs to focus on what he needs to do. And that's the same with us. We know what we need to do. We know what God wants to change in us. Let's focus on that. Let's allow God to work deeply in us and change the things that he wants to change in us. And let God be God to our spouse and change the things that he wants to change in them.
0: Yeah, well, think about this for a moment. A lot of times we want our spouse to judge us by our intentions when we judge them by their actions. So we we want our spouse to say, "Oh, babe, I didn't." We want them to understand when when you're like, "I didn't mean to do that. My intentions weren't to hurt you. My intentions," but then you turn it around, and when they do something, you judge them by their actions, and you like bring the hammer of justice, right? Um, and when really you're you're. You're on the other end saying, babe, please give me grace. I promise you it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. It was something that I never intended to do. I didn't intend to hurt you. And when in the long run, um, we're judging them by our actions. So I think a lot of us, listen, I know that some of you guys are in marriages where you've been married for a long, long time. And you're going, you know what, if I don't say something, if I don't stand up, if I don't teach this man the way that he should live, and I need to orchestrate his steps, and if I don't read the scriptures to him, and if I don't do all this stuff, then he's never going to understand who Jesus is. Here's the deal. In that situation, sometimes the best thing that you can do is learn to just back off. It's just back off and say, you know what, I'm going to stop nagging, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing that, and I'm just going to allow God to be God in that moment. That's
1: good. And as confronters, it's hard to do that because a lot of times we, it's natural for us to just explode and say all the things that we're frustrated with. But really, a lot of times, it's best to back off and to pray for them and to let God speak to them. Pray that God speaks to yeah.
0: them. Well, and think of it this way. When is the last time that you went to your spouse and you're like, hey, babe, listen, I think, you know, there's just this rottenness about you <laughs> and just this awful sin in your life. And so I'm just going to lovingly come and tell you. And it's never like this. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. And you point it out to them. And your spouse just goes, oh, babe, that was just wonderful advice. Thank you for hammering me against the wall. Like that never happens. And so there's, there's times in your life where you just have to be like, okay, you know what, I have tried, I've tried to confront this area, they're obviously not listening, they're obviously not understanding, so you know what, at the end of the day, you're not the author of their heart, you can't change it, and so you have to back off and say, you know what, gotta completely give this over to you, and, and hopefully you can do only what you can do. Um, so number three is, this is going to be a hard one, okay, uh, deb- depending on what your relationship has looked like. Number three, pursue your spouse regardless. Pursue your spouse regardless. I want to read a passage to you in Song of Solomon chapter 8. And uh, let me kind of give you a little context before I actually read this. But there's an entire book in the Bible called Song of Solomon. And it's like this romantic love story about this guy who is pursuing his queen. It's about this king who is pursuing his queen. And if you read it today, it sounds a little weird because he tells her all these phrases. He says, your neck is like goats. Like if you don't say that to your wife today, that's not a good idea. But um, he uses all this. It's like very poetic, all this stuff. And their love starts off just amazing. Okay, it starts off this just, I mean, would make any kind of romance novel look like a child's book, you know? It's an incredible story, and then about midway through life, uh, King Solomon has just all these things that kind of uh, happen in his life, and it's recorded in the book of Ecclesiastes, but he kind of is looking to find himself, looking to find happiness, looking to find all these things, and so... At once, he had this woman who he was so infatuated with, he gave everything for her, did anything for her. And then we read in in Ecclesiastes that he had about 900 wives, about 300 concubines, prostitutes. And so all this stuff, what's crazy is she sticks by him through all of this. All of this. Could you imagine just going to your wife and be like, hey, I think we should add another one to our little bunch. (laughs) I'm leaving you. (laughs) That just doesn't work today. Um, And so he adds all these women, and she sticks by him. And so this is what happens. um, Solomon realizes basically how stupid he was in Ecclesiastes. He returns to his wife. And so this is at the very end of his life. He writes this. He says, Oh, that you were a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breast. That's kind of weird. If I found you outside, listen to this. I would kiss you, and none would despise me. I would lead you and bring you into my, the house of my mother, she who used to teach me. I would give you spice wine to drink the juice of pomegranates. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Um, so Solomon and his wife are much older now, and I want you to pick up on the language here. Despite all their history together, here's the thing even after all their familiarity together. So after they have been intimate with one another, they know one another, they know one another's bodies, they know each other's relationships. So after all of this going on, he's writing this, he says, hey, listen, I found you, I want to kiss you, I want to lead you, I want to be with you, I want to pursue you, regardless of what our past has looked like. Um, They might move a little bit slower now, but here's the deal. In the end, they refused just to be roommates under one roof. They refused just to be roommates who lived under the same roof and slept in the same bed. Um, I don't know if you know this, but it's a growing trend in our nation now where you have like two master bedrooms. You know, one for the husband and one for the wife. It's just absolutely insane. But Solomon and his wife are still pursuing each other despite their history despite what it looked like, despite all the screw-ups. And I want you to notice how they actually demonstrated their love in the end. That it was not for show. Listen, there's a lot of couples when you walk into this church, you're holding hands and you're loving on each other. And when you're around in public, you're trying to keep up appearances and then you get behind closed doors and it's like you don't even touch each other. You don't look at each other. You're not even affectionate with one another. And so here's the deal. We want you to have a love that is the same when you're around everybody and the same when you're behind closed doors that you ultimately, genuinely love that person. Um. Everywhere they went, their love was real. I say this all the time, but one of my dreams for my life and our marriage together is to one day um, when we're old... And I can't, honestly, I can't wait to be old when, when I'm a pastor, because when you're old and you're a pastor, you can just say things and get away with it. You know what I mean? And if you were like, he's old, <laughs> I can just say like a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, right now, it'd be like, the dude's young, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, but when I'm old, y'all get ready, because I'm going to say some stuff. Um But when I'm old, I just have this vision of my wife and I being able to sit on a back porch and maybe have a cup of coffee with grandkids running around and reliving memories and all these things. But here's the truth. If you're not careful, many of you will not get there. If you're not careful, many of you will not get there. I don't know if you know this, but um, the statistic is 50% of marriages end in divorce. And you know what? Here's here's what is so astonishing to me. 48% of Christian marriages end in divorce. It's not even much different than the world. It's not even much different than the secular world. And listen, all these things that we're talking about, like kill the little foxes daily, let God be God, and pursue your spouse regardless, these are all difficult things to do on a daily basis. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Worth it. Here's the truth. We cannot let our mind drift into thinking that, you know what, I'll deal with that later. I see this in my wife, or I see this in my husband, or I see this kind of danger, this path that we're kind of walking on in our marriage, and you cannot buy into the lie that that will just go away or we'll just deal with it later. It never happens. If anything, it just gets worse and worse and worse. We did a a marriage series a few months ago um, where we talked about, uh, we did a sermon called Logs on the Fire. And it was basically all about romance. And um, the day that you stop pursuing your spouse regardless of their past, regardless of what's gone on in your life, is the day that that marriage is going to take a downward spiral. Like, listen, men, whatever you did to to get your wife, that's what you need to continue to do while you're married. Women, whatever you did to attract your husband and get your husband when you were first dating, you've got to do the same thing over and over and over again. And what many of us do is, I got married, she's with me. Boom, she's stuck now. (laughs) She's stuck. And I'm just going to eat as many Hot Pockets as I want (laughs) because she is stuck with me now. And so many of us give in to this. We just settle in our marriage. Uh, Number four.
1: So, um, number four, I'm sure most of you have heard Zach and I say this before, or just Zach, but um, you'll never drift towards holiness. So, that goes with our marriage, too. You'll never, ever drift towards a better marriage. Yeah. Um, you'll never wake up one morning and just have an ideal marriage. It just won't happen. You must fight daily to know your spouse and to know God in your spouse. Um, do you know their struggles Do you know their insecurities? Do you know how they're doing spiritually? Do you genuinely care about their soul? Do you know what their dreams are? Um, Pursuing the heart of your spouse is not as complicated as we think. A lot of times it's like overwhelming to us. and We think we we don't know how to do it. Well, um, if you know what those things are, their dreams, their hopes, their insecurities, their fears, then you can do something about it. And if you don't know, just ask them. Plan a date and then sit down, just the two of you. Now, I understand with kids this can be complex. That's why we go out to do this, you know, away from the kids so we can think and focus. And you can hear them out. You can let them share their heart. You can let them share their fears. You can let them share their anxiety, the the things that that are deep in their soul or how their relationship with God is. And you can can hear that. And then you can do something about it to help them in those areas. So if they're discouraged – you can bring courage to that area. You can encourage. If they're feeling insecurity about certain things, you can speak security in those areas. If it's um, something that they're struggling with, if they're just something as simple as if they're exhausted, you can let them sleep in. I mean, it it doesn't have to be some great (laughs) magical thing (laughs) um, that happens. So, uh, for example, Zach and I, um, Zach knows that I don't get out of the house much. I'm at home with five kids all the time, so he can think, he can serve me, and think about me, and saying, okay, how about you go have a a girls night, just go eat out with the girls, and just have fun, have adult conversation, Um, and that's how he can serve me, doing that, a major part of having a great marriage, is learning to carry each other's burdens, yeah, and that's what that is, whenever he thinks of things that I need, or that I um, am struggling with, or something that's difficult for me, he can notice it, um, and do something about it, that's all that we're saying. It's not something that's, you know, major heart issue, complex, so hard to do. It's something simple if you just would be willing to lay yourself down long enough to think about the other person first. So Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. That's, the, that's what we're saying. You, you can carry others' burdens, carry your spouse's burdens. Think about them before you think about yourself. Be willing to do something about it, not just think it. Yeah. Um, And
0: I I think that um, I used to have, if you're a man, the whole like side of pursuing your wife and like romance and all this kind of stuff is like scary, right? Because it's kind of like, like I remember when I'm, when I was, when we were dating and we got married, I'm like, oh my God, I just like exhausted all my ideas. (laughs) Like I have no more ideas whatsoever. And I remember for a long time when I would hear there's this word that was continually talked about in our house it's like hey I just don't feel pursued by you. And I don't feel like you're you're pursuing me and I'm like I don't know what that means. I don't I like I'm trying. And so what I I literally had this thought in my mind like every night she wanted like some Candle lit, flowers on the floor, jacuzzi bathtub. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't plan some extravagant date thing every night. And what I've slow, slowly begin to realize is that she genuinely just wants to know that I'm thinking about her. Yeah. So, so here's the deal. And I'm not the greatest at this either. Um, you're, you should, men, you should never, if you work, you should never go a day without talking to your wife. Like, you should never go more than a few hours without sending her a text message. Because here's the deal. If you walk in and you haven't talked all day, and then you get home and you are exhausted and you have, like, an hour or two before you go to bed, then what what kind of relationship is that? You're not getting in any heart conversation. And so, um, for me, it's, like, simple things of trying to remember Okay, what are things that she what what are things that she enjoys or what are things that she likes? And I'll just try to bring that to her. And just it's not as difficult or as complicated as I thought that uh, it was. It's just bringing her something. Hey, I remembered you today or I thought about you um, today.
1: Something else that's important. Um, have you ever had those days where you like maybe it's a this happens more often than not, than not. The husband gets home and he sees something seems a bit off with her his wife. You know. She seems maybe frustrated or something, but you just keep going. You're like, I don't care. You know, I'm not, <laughs> not going to ask. Or if you ask, a lot of times they'll say, oh, I'm fine, and they'll keep just keep going. When you see something's off in your spouse, it could go both ways, your wife or your husband. Stop and engage that. Yeah. And Zach is really great at this. Um, it's taken some time, but he'll sit. <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll now say, "Nope, you're not fine. What's going on? Nope, you're not fine." Because I don't know what's going on with women. We have this thing where we're like, "Oh, I'm fine," and then, we'll, "No, I promise I'm fine." I think it's we don't really know what's bothering us. We don't even know. So, <laughs> so truthfully, it takes a little time to to process what what's actually going on inside. But if we if we um, could really think about the other person and not just continue with our day. If we could stop and we see something's off with him, like, hey, babe, how was your day? Was it stressful? Was yeah. something happened at work? And just keep asking, um, not in a harassing way, but in a way that we want to serve them, we want to help them, then really imagine what could happen there. If that's, that's breaking down those walls that are dividing you right there if you just engage those things instead of pass over it.
0: Well, and these are all the things that are going to set you up for having a great marriage. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, like for me, for my wife, I told you earlier that our personalities are completely different. So the way that she kind of is refreshed and uh, kind of comes alive again is when she goes and she gets to spend time with people and friends and all that kind of stuff. And I enjoy that too. Um, But it's totally different for me. Like she knows when I'm struggling or um, doing something. So she'll say, hey, go hide away at a coffee shop and go read a book and spend some time by yourself helpful for me because she knows what I need in that moment. And so part of fighting for a good marriage and having a good marriage is being able to notice those deficiencies of like, hey, you had a long week this week. And this is what happens. This is what tends to happen. I had a long week this, way, this week. Well, I don't want to serve you because I had a long week this week and I'm waiting on you to serve me. And listen, somebody's somebody's got to put their big boy pants on and say, you know what, I'm going to be the first to serve you and, and to love you in this situation. And most of the time, men, it should be you. It should be you. Um, so here's the deal. Sometimes the fight is in our marriage is not necessarily against sinful things. It's a, it, sometimes it's against good things. Sometimes it's a good, good thing. You've heard me say this before. It's not that TV's bad. It's not that Facebook is bad. It's not that any of those things are bad. But like when you go on a date and if you're just staring at your phone the whole time, that's bad. Um, if, if you get away and you're more concerned about how many likes or comments you got on a particular post and what's going on in the depths of your wife's soul, then something's off and something's going on. And, and so we've just kind of made... I guess it's an agreement that we have with one another that um, when we go on dates, we just talk about heart issues. So, hey, what's going on? Is there anything that I should know? Is there anything that I should be praying with you about? Or is there anything that um, you're concerned about? Is there anything that you're worried about, anxious about? Um, and we just ask each other questions. And something crazy happens every time that happens. We come back home and we feel connected to one another. Um, we feel like okay we've made some progress we feel like we're strengthening our marriage because if you're not doing this then what's going to happen is before you even realize that the enemy has the upper hand in your marriage you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be quick to have a temper you're gonna be quick to blow up on your spouse you're gonna be quick to not forgive you're gonna be quick to hold on to bitterness all those things Um, let me just ask you a question real quick Working a job, men, is not a bad thing, right? We're all called to carry the responsibility of our family, and we're called to provide. This is a good thing. This is something that we all should do. We should all work very hard. But let me ask you a question, because this is what happens specifically in our culture in Louisiana. Um, Some of you work an extra day or two or even week just to pick up an extra paycheck so you can pay for your hobbies when your wife is at home suffering. When your wife is at home suffering and she hasn't seen you in a week. And so listen, I'm not saying that picking up an extra shift is wrong, but you have to filter it through the lenses of how is home? How's my wife? How's my relationship? If we're all good and we've had deep conversation and we went on a date and we've done all this stuff, by all means, pick up the extra shift, make some extra money. But if you keep doing that and you're sacrificing your family and your relationship, to what point? So yeah, you got the motorcycle, you got the truck, you got the, the thing that you always wanted, but you're, re- you're losing your relationship, the thing that you should be valuing the most in your life. And so, if anything, I want to read this verse again in 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, 6-8. through 8. I beg of you that this would be what you strive for. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. then this last race, I have remained faithful. I have remained faithful. So here's the deal: we need to walk out of here living with the end in mind. Listen, you don't know how much longer you have. Look, I'm not trying to be morbid or anything like that. Some of you have maybe 80 years yet left. Some of you might have like a week left. And, and, and listen, I'm one of those guys. I love adrenaline. You know, I, I, um, my wife will never let me get a motorcycle again because I got hit by a car on a motorcycle. Doing stu- you know, I love that all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know how much longer I have. And some of us live like we have 80 years left. Some of us live like we have all the time in the world left. When James says your life is like a mist, it's like a vapor, you could be here today and gone tomorrow. Here today and gone tomorrow. So listen, I want to go out, like when when Claire and I are are approaching our end and, you know, the end is near. Or if, you know, God forbid, God would take us early or or whatever. That however long this marriage lasts, that one, it's going to be until death do us part, regardless of what happens. And, and, And then number two, that it's going to be something that we enjoy all the way through. And for us to enjoy it, we're going to have to fight for it. We're just, we're going to have to fight for it. So I want to wrap up with this. If you're married in here, um, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to grab your spouse's hand. Grab their hand. Um, If you're single in here and you think this is an opportunity for you to touch a girl, this is not that opportunity, okay? You're like, yes! He doesn't know. I'm looking at you. Um, If you're married, just grab your spouse's hand. And this is what we want to do this morning. Listen, I know some of you, maybe your marriage is awesome. Okay, maybe it's great and, and this message for you is just encouraging and you're saying, hey, I just want to be able to build a more sustaining marriage. Um, but if you're in here this morning, uh, no matter what side you're swinging on the pendulum, maybe you're in here and you're saying, listen, we came this morning because our relationship is just rocky and uh, we, we want to hang on. We want to do this. I just don't know how we're going to make it. And listen, the only way that you make it. You could actually take all these things that we just told you and they can mean nothing to you. Absolutely nothing. So let's get priorities number one straight. If you do not know Jesus this morning, it's going to be hard to have a relationship that lasts. And listen, I'm not saying that if you don't know Jesus, you can't have a great marriage. I've seen few couples do it, but here's the deal. I can stay committed to my wife because my commitment is not first to my wife, it's to Jesus. So when I get frustrated and when I get angry and we get upset, I have to first remember, hold on, God, I made a commitment to you. Like, to you, till death do us part regardless of what happens. So here's the deal. Even though maybe maybe you have a spouse that has been unfaithful, and maybe you, you read the Bible and you say, you know what, that's, a re, that's an out for me. And it technically is. But it's not always the best decision. Just because you get an out doesn't mean it's always the right decision. There's nothing more beautiful in this world when God takes something broken and completely redeems it. Completely makes it new again. So maybe you're in here this morning saying, I'm hanging by a thread in my marriage. I am so confident that Jesus, if you would allow him, if you would allow him, can come and invade any situation that you have. So number one, if you don't know Jesus, submit and surrender your life to Jesus. Can we do this just all over this place? If, if you're married and or maybe you're dating and you're, you want to be married or whatever, um, could you just stand with your spouse real quick with me? Just maybe hold their hand or, or whatever. And we just want to pray for you guys this morning. Um, You know, why don't you guys all stand with me? Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're like, hey, I want to be married. (laughs) Um, I want to be married. Listen, we just want to pray for you this morning because maybe we're crazy enough just to believe this, um, but I genuinely believe no matter where you're at in your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with your spouse, that there's nothing too difficult for God whatsoever whatsoever. It's the whole reason that we started this church. To see broken people, broken marriages, broken families, lost people come into this place, and it has nothing to do with our words and our wisdom, because if it was, we'd be in trouble. It has everything to do with Jesus. So let's just pray for you this morning. Father God, I thank you for every single married couple in here. God, we know that the enemy, God, is on a mission to completely just obliterate their marriage. God, regardless of the statistics, God, I pray that today we would make a covenant and a commitment to you that that will not be us. That will not be us. We may have arguments, we may have disagreements, we may have hard times, we may have a past that is difficult, but it will not be us. It will not be us. God, I pray for those that simply don't know you this morning. God, maybe they think they know you. Maybe they think their relationship with you is simply based on just coming to church and saying a few prayers or whatever it is. God, I pray that you would radically introduce them to your love this morning. God, no matter where they're at in their walk with you, no matter what they're dealing with, God, that you would graciously just pull them in.